Can you say with me? Hallelujah. That means that we're always joyful, right? Joy is not one thing that happens. Joy is what we are. Joy is our trademark as a Christian. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, Joel, as well. And thank you, Paul, and all those young people back there uh, that are handling the sound and the slides today. So let's give God a hand for the technical people, all the technical people. Hallelujah for that. Well, as you heard, my wife today is Pentecost Sunday. And this is 50 days after Easter. And we as believers in Christ Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And who is he? He's the third person of the Trinity. And he comes and he dwells in us when we are born again. And he did not come to rent our house. He came to own our house. And therefore, he wants to infuse in us the power that we need to be able to love. So this morning's title is just don't tell me that you love me, but show me that you love me. Just don't tell me, but show me. In other words, we have to walk our talk. My wife, who you just met, she said to me, sometime ago, she said, Manny, you used to be good looking at one time, but no more. <laughs> and she says to me, the way that I want you to love me, not just to tell me that, that you love me, but show it to me. And how does she want me to show it to her? Is by listening to her 20 minutes a day without saying anything back. <laughs> Look at the man. <laughs> I wish I could do that, right? So we need some prayer today, right? And the ladies are saying, I wish that my husband would listen to me, not 20 minutes, but five minutes a day, right? And that's exactly how we want to love. It's not about loving, but it's how to love. And this morning, we're going to look at a very familiar passage. You see, sometimes the familiar becomes unfamiliar because we are so used, and we take it for granted, right? So this morning, we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And a parable is a story, isn't it? And Jesus was the best storyteller ever. Everything that he taught was with stories, correct? So in a parable, we have to ask two questions. Number one, where is God in the story? Because he's always there. And then the second question is, where am I in the story? Because the Bible was written for you and I, <laughs> for human beings. So we can love the way that Jesus loved the Father. You see, Christ became a human being and he tabernacled with us so we might be able to learn from him how to love. And how to love with what? With the love of the Father. Amen? So this is a powerful story and I'm going to hopefully show it to you in a new way. You see, the gospel is a drama. It's a love dramatic story. So today, I want to, you to come with me to the theater of God. And we're going to sit 
on their first role of redemption. We're going to see God acted out for us. And we have many characters in this parable. And the best way that we know how to love, and I'm so happy that you have one over here and one over there. I go to many churches all over the world, and I don't see a cross anywhere. In other words, we have lost our identity. You see, I was born in Cuba and raised there too. So I speak God's first language, it's called Spanish. And, uh, and, uh, but, but, but now, since I became a believer, I am no longer really a Cuban. I am a Christian that happens to be Cuban. In other words, my culture never anymore now dictates to my faith in Christ. So this little, 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 little shoebox here, you know, and uh, my friend Mark has been here with me at least twice because we were able to plant a Moody Radio affiliate in Angola prison in Louisiana. And Mark and his buddy David, remember David, Mark? We, they, I said, hey, Mark, how about if we go to Angola prison and we do the morning show from Angola? So oh, that's a good idea. So one of my disciples made this for me. So this is my portable cross. So I always want to bring this with me because, you see, the least people that we love in America, the least people that, that we love in America are the prisoners. Because, you know, they are behind bars. Out of mind, out of sight. But guess what? They are people too. And Jesus became himself. He became a prisoner. He did. He became an inmate. And he died the death of a common criminal. And one of the guys next to him made it. He said, today you will be with me where? In paradise. Because he repented. Yeah. So we have to repent. So I just want to read quickly with you. The text before us is Luke, Luke uh, 10, Luke 10, and we're going to read the scriptures, and, and then I'm just going to comment on them a little bit, and then I'm going to take you to the theater, all right? So that's the plan, all right? And if I have time, I'm going to tell you a story about one of the guys in this book that I wrote. His name is Diego Zapata. Perhaps Mark met him when he was there. Now he's with Jesus. But anyway, let's beginning verse 25. This is the parable of the good Samaritan. Luke 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, meaning Jesus, saying, Teacher, Rabbi, what should I do to inherit eternal life? You know, how to be saved. And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as you love yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves who stripping him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half 
dead. Half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levi, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side, but, but God. But a certain Samaritan, as the journey came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, uh, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, running in into, an, into, an, inn, into an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, next day when he departed, he took out to the nary, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Here's what Jesus wants us to know this morning. Here it is. Christians cannot love from a distance. No, we cannot. Nor from a position of hitting and running. But rather, Christians must always love up close and personal with the type of love, as we heard this morning, seen so beautifully, with the type of love that God the Father and Jesus experience in their uninterrupted love affair. By not only equipping our tents, with what exactly our neighbors need, but also by emulating, emulating the example, Jesus' example by pitching our tents to tabernacle with any neighbor. Any neighbor God our Father chooses to send away, regardless of what they have done or where they have come from, to love them without unhealthy fear. 1 John 4, 18, tells us to love, that love conquers fear. Here's what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said as he was preaching on this parable the day before he was killed. Wow. He was killed the day after he preached on this text. Basically, he gave off his life for his belief of the civil rights movement in America. So he talked about the good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite. And here's what he said, I quote, the priest and the Levite asked the question, what is going to happen to me if I help this neighbor that is on the ground, half dead? Who, by the way, was a Jew. And the priest and the Levite, they were both Jews. But the good Samaritan asked a different and most redemptive question. He asked, what is going to happen to my neighbor if I don't help my neighbor? Now, for the next few minutes, I was going to do something special today, but because of COVID-19 and all this stuff, I don't want to embarrass 
some of you guys. I was going to have, you know, a few of you come over here and play out each part, but I don't want to. So I want to do it myself. I've never done it myself, but I'm going to see if I can do it myself, okay? So we are told in verse 25 that there was a lawyer that wanted to test Jesus. And he was a Pharisee. In other words, he was a legalist. You know, since I've been involved in this little ministry now for almost 32 years, Mark, I have dealt, I'm not talking about many, many, I'm talking about many churches all over the world. From every color, every creed, every denomination that you can think of. And I have found one thing in common by every church. That every policy, every policy that we write for the church is usually, not always, usually driven by fear. Think about it. My biggest issue right now is how do we invite ex-sex offenders into the church that Jesus died for? That he bled for to death on the cross. I'm having a hard time with that. They are being rejected right now, left and right, because of fear. You see, love conquers fear. You cannot be a Christian with fear. And, they say, and if there's a time in America, if there's a time in America that we need to know how to love our neighbor is now. Because people are hopeless. People are helpless. People are angry. People are fearful. People are insecure. People are committing suicide. Young people, young people are using drugs and alcohol to the maximum. They are committing also suicide because they are doing what is called drug overdose. I do the funerals, by the way. So I know it's for real. I get the phone call. I, I know they, they are for real. So this lawyer, who is a legalist, you see, as a Christian, we have to live our lives in Christ Jesus. Actually, when you become a Christian, you know what happens? Jesus Christ gives you his life. Wow. He gives you his heart. Wow. And what are we to do? We are to become a guardian. A guardian to his life. Now, now you're like, you didn't give your life for to Christ. No, you have no life to give. You were are, you, you are dead. If you're dead, how can you give any life to Christ? No, that's not right theology. But he gave you his life and his heart. And we have to guard his life and his heart. And we have to represent him with the utmost Excellence and integrity. That makes sense to us this morning? So this lawyer asked him a question. Hey, what must I do to get life that is eternal? How, how, do I, you know, how do I get saved from the justifiable wrath of God? From the guilt of my sin? Saved from that? How can I get saved from the slavery of my sin? Because my worst enemy is me. And how can I get saved from hell? And how can I get saved from the world that has influenced the, the church so much? You know, my mentor, Chuck Colson, and Mark was so kind to be the MC. Remember that, Mark? 
when Chuck came to speak at our banquet, 1,400 people came. I'm still waiting for the bill, Mark, from Chuck Colson. He never charged me. Not even for the, for the ticket. I mean, to get to Chicago. But Chuck Colson's ministry was only one. How to protect the church. How to equip the church so the culture will not penetrate us. Too late. Too late. Way too late. He has already done it. He's taken over the church in America. At least in America, it has. So you see, the lawyer was trying to test Jesus. He said, okay, so what, so what must I do to get saved? And he said, okay, go to the word of God. Go to the Torah. What does he say? What does he say? And he said, verse 27, is the most important verse for a Christian. It's about the first and second greatest commandment. Love God, Yahweh, the Father. You know why people go to prison? Because they never knew their father. That's why they go to prison. So our ministry is to introduce men and women behind bars and their families to their real father. Yahweh, our daddy. He's a good father, you see. Love you, God, with all of your heart, the heart of Christ, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, who is your neighbor? Anybody and everybody that God will choose to send you away. And we don't have the right to reject, but only to embrace. And he said, oh, you answer correctly. You are so, I mean, you, you have an A on the test. But then he asked the question, and who is my neighbor, right? And now the parable begins. Let me move quickly. He says, there was a man that went from Jerusalem to Jericho. By the way, I met my wife in Jerusalem. Isn't that a romantic spot that we met? And I met her when I was on parole. I'm still on parole. She's my officer right here. He tells me what to do, when to do it, how, how to do it, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, we've been married for... Almost 31 years, thank, thank God for the grace of God the Father, amen. So a certain man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and three thieves. Now, who is that man that was going to Jerusalem? Who is he representing? Remember on the parable, we have to find out quickly, who, who am I in the story and, who, and where is God? So who is that man? Anybody knows who the man is? Who is he representing? Anybody can tell me? Huh? No, that's you. And me. The man going from Jerusalem to, to Jericho is me and you. And the thief looking for you. The thief came to what? To kill, steal, and destroy, right? But Christ came to give us life and life what? Abundantly. And what a contrast, right, on that verse. So the thieves are looking to kill Christians. The thief is looking to steal your joy and your peace. And the thief is looking to destroy the family in America. He's doing a good job with that too as well, by the way. And what happens? The man is just going. I mean, he's just going. He's just going. Maybe he's going shopping. I don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell me. I don't really care what he's doing, but he's going. And the thieves are looking, and they come quickly. Bam, 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 bam. And the guy falls down on the floor, 
They stole everything. And the Bible says that he was half dead. Now, let me ask you a stupid question. You see, this faith that we have in Christ does not go against logic, reason, nor reality. Could that guy, if he was half dead, can he make a phone call? Can he call 911? Can he call 911? Can he ask for help? He's dead. He's, he's dead. So, and he's Jewish, by the way. So a priest who is the, the senior pastor of the 10th Baptist Church of Plainfield. <laughs> he, he's uh, an important person. He's all dressed up with his nail polish, his suit and everything else, you know. He, he goes by, looks at the guy and said, mm, not today, I'm too busy for you today, my friend. I'm, I'm going to keep going here. And the Levi, who is the associate pastor of the church, he goes by and he, and he, goes, and he goes forward as well. You see, you see, the Levite was learning for the example of the priest. In life, most things that we know, they are not taught. They are caught. They are caught. They are caught. I'm Cuban. Baseball. Cuba. Baseball, White Sox, baseball. Why did the Cubs won the World Series? Why do you think that the Cubs won? Why do you think? Finally, after 108 years of drought. You know why? Because they got smart and they hired two Cubans. That's why they won. <laughs> that's, why, that's why they won, Mark. And me and I have gone to many games. I mean, we've gone to many games together, haven't we, Mark? And it's a good thing to go to a baseball game with a Cuban. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because we know baseball. So, so, so these two guys just pass by. But a Samaritan. Now, who is he representing? Jesus. He was equipped. And he had compassion. Oh, yes. What, is, what does compassion mean? It means to suffer with. We have to suffer for our neighbor and with our neighbor. And he had compassion. And he's from a different breed. I mean, a different culture. If you were Jew, you cannot get yourself associated with the Samaritan because it doesn't work. But when you love, what happens? You break tradition. You break culture. Nobody can cancel you. Nobody can cancel. Nobody can cancel me for sure. Because you know why? Because I have, I have in me, I have Christ with me. I have the zeal. I got the word, Mark said. Or the zeal of the year. I don't know why you put that together, Mark, but that was pretty good. <laughs> That's good. But, 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 but he, he stopped. He had compassion. And he went down to his level. He tabernacled. He talked to him. He listened, listen. When you begin to listen to people, half of their problems are resolved. People need a good ear from somebody. And who better than us Christians, right? So he went down to his level. He had the oil. What does the oil represent? The refreshing. The Holy Spirit. He had the wine. 
Christ's blood. He had the bandage for the wounds. He had the love. I'm showing you today how Christ is saying that we must love people. We must love people today tangibly and visibly and sacrificially and without fear. And without fear. And he also had the donkey too. He had the donkey. He had the car to transport him because he just cannot leave him there. He took him where? To the innkeeper, right? Who is the innkeeper? Who do you think that the innkeeper is? The Holy Spirit. This is a Trinitarian passage. It's all about hallowing the name of the Father. And he stayed with, he stayed with a stranger because that the next day, and then he had to pay to the nearest. It cost him money. Love would cost you money. Of course it does. And it has to. Has to cost you everything. The gospel costs you everything. You have to die to self. It, it cost the Father, His only Son, Jesus. Hallelujah. He gave Him up. We have to give ourselves up for the sake of loving our neighbor. You see, we cannot say, I love God, but then I'm going to choose who is my neighbor. Cannot do that. Cannot do that. You have to love anybody that God, including me today. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love today. So what happened? He stayed with a stranger. He entertained angels. He entertained an angel because your house is what? Is your sanctuary. And we have to be hospitable. But now these people come to our, to, our, to our town to see us. And what do we do? Put them in a hotel. Open your home. Open your heart. Open your wallet. I don't have any wallet, but, you know, open your wallet. Open everything. And then, the question is this. So he asked the, the good lawyer, he says, so tell me, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, and this, and this, and this which of these three really love their neighbor? He said, oh, the the Samaritan. And what did he said? Go and do likewise. He showed mercy on him. Now, God's mercy, which we sang about this morning also, to me, they are not no, just, just new every morning. They are new every moment. I need mercy at 2 o'clock in the morning. I focus in the afternoon. I need God's mercy every day. Let me end with a little story. You know, uh, me and my wife, we, we go to many, 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 many prisons. Okay. And jails too. Uh, but one of the most, the, the one that is more significant that, that we've gone to for the last 21 years is Angola, Louisiana. Angola in Louisiana, which, is, which used to be the bloodiest prison in America. And I have taken there, I don't know, hundreds of people, maybe more than that, right, Mark? 
And uh, the guys know that I love them, that we love them. You know why? Because we keep coming back. And we keep coming back with exactly what they need. We have helped at least seven lifers with no parole get out of Angola. Including one that just got out, Mingaro Saleh, who was my Cuban chef in the prison. I went to Angola with my family. I stayed in the prison, right, Mark? We, we stayed in the prison. We slept in the prison. We ate in the prison. We moved like we were also locked up. We pitched our tent with the guys. We became like them. <laughs> That's what love is. It's becoming like them. Christ became like us. Being God, he became man. That's love, isn't it? And when you love people like that, not only do they know, do they know that you're genuine and you're sincere, because you see, love cannot be hypocritical. <laughs> it cannot be hypocritical. And especially guys behind bars, they know when you are and when you're not. So they respond to that love. You know, I'm one of those guys in my book, name is Diego Zapata, quickly. He responded so well and he loved me so much that he became a radical lover. He worked in hospice in Angola. 47 men died in his arms. He was taking care. He did everything. You know what that is, right? I mean, clean everything. Clean everything. <laughs> he worked there every single day with no days off. And whenever I came to Angola, he carried my Bible. He carried my pulpit. He had water for me. He carried a towel for my sweat because it is hot in Louisiana. I mean, this guy loved me to the point that we became family. When Barbara's mother was in hospice in Philadelphia, she said, I would love to talk to the warden for him to allow Diego to travel to Philadelphia in the hospital and take care of my mother. That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, you don't want just anybody to take care of your mother. <laughs> I mean, a lifer from Angola taking care of a male guy taking care of your own mother? Yes, that's what Barbara said. You can ask her. You see, when you love people with sincerity and with no hypocrisy and without fear and tangibly and visibly, people will respond. I just drove here. I see many houses around here that have been built. Try it. Pray and love. Love. Get my book about prayer. This could be packed every single Sunday, three times on, on a Sunday. I'm telling you, people need to be loved. And you cannot love from a distance, nor from hitting and running. So will you follow the commandment that Christ gave us? Go and do likewise. So Christ gave us an example that we ought to follow the same exact way that he did it for us. He came to show us how to love.
And in this parable, that's exactly what he did. Amen? Let me pray for you guys. Thank you, Father, for this parable. It's a radical parable, Father. And I pray, God, that those online today, those that are here in this great sanctuary, that they will never forget about this parable ever, and that they will be able even to memorize it and to learn how to love the way that Christ has taught us today, Father, empowered by the Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday, and to be equipped with your word, as my wife said, to memorize the word of God. Moses said to make the word become our life so we can live in freedom every day. That they'll be able to have the oil and the bandage and the compassion. Oh, Father, and the transportation and the willingness to love any neighbor and to keep our eyes open to see how you're going to surprise us. So, Father, will you do that today, right now for us, that we will be transformed, that we will have a revolution in, in our hearts today, Father, and in our minds, that we will be able to love you and love our neighbor in such a way that we will be able to experience an unspeakable joy and an unfathomed peace, I pray, and as we are secure in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you.